iAnime Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 50. In this episode, we have Sebastian DeSalt, who is one of our game's alumni and currently works at Ubisoft there in Quebec, Canada. He landed the job right out of iAnimate and was able to jump right onto one of their prestigious franchises, Assassin's Creed. They just recently released their newest franchise, For Honor, which came out with raving reviews from IGN and GameStop. And when he's not animating, he's doing interviews with professionals in the industry. If you receive our monthly newsletter, and I hope you all do, uh, you'll see some of his interviews featured in there. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking with him about this, his experience of working on AAA titles at a huge company, and his transition from being a student to a professional animator. So let's get into it. Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me properly? Hear you great, man. How's it going? I'm doing really well. Thanks. We made it. We yeah, we made it. Out. It was quite a struggle. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to work with me on this here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Man. Awesome. So uh, you get some of the stuff done you needed to as far as the uh, uh, mocap and all that recording? Yeah, it went really well, man. Uh, the actor was great, and uh, we were able to even do a little more shots than anticipated, so it was awesome. Cool. Yeah, we're done for that game. Right? Now, is this for this For Honor as well, like a uh, downloadable well, content, or is this a new no, game? No, I've been working on uh, on a new game for the past six months, almost six months. So, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it was uh, kind of weird because our schedule for For Honor, we had to deliver – uh, earlier than, than the delivery of the final game uh, okay. collaboration from Quebec uh, we were a little offset so yeah so it's a nice thing right now it's a totally different franchise different approach so different style very cool a lot of, it seems like a lot of fun it is it is really cool and I'm currently in a new position so awesome. less animation but more of a uh, working with the team, make sure that the vision and the narrative is working and the flow of the action is working. So, yeah. Right on. Cool. All right. You ready to jump into it? Yeah, yeah. I got a nice setup with the mic and everything. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, this, I've had this one since uh, first started. This is going to be my 50th podcast. So. 50th? Yeah, okay, 50th. no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Cool, All right. Man. We'll jump into it. So, first off, I always really just I want to thank my guests. I, you know, this is one of those things that um, time is valuable. So, I appreciate yeah. you taking the time um, to join us on this. In particular, you being one of our uh, past alumni, you know, too. So, that's always a neat honor to get guys like you who have been through the program in the industry and to be able to talk to you afterwards. So, really just appreciate your time on this. Thank you, mate. So, first off, um, I always like to kind of hear, you know, obviously you're, you're an alumni, but maybe how you got into animation. What made you choose iAnimate? Uh, did you train somewhere else before that? Um, did you know you always wanted to get into games? Just kind of how that kind of evolved there. Well, it all started when I was in management at university. <laughs> Where at? Management at university. <laughs> yeah. I think I did like half of the program and uh, I completed my minor to be sure to get at least a diploma. Uh -huh. uh, but after that, I was just, eh, it's not for me. Uh -huh. um, the theory of, of all everything, there's teachers speaking in front of the class for three hours. It wasn't, I wasn't enthused about it. So um, I decided to try it out and follow my love for cinema. And I okay. discovered watching the special features uh, behind the scenes stuff from Lord of the Ring that you 
actually could work uh, in post-production, do uh, animation for the creatures and stuff. And I tried to find a school locally, which was uh, College Bart. So I did a one-year intensive program over there. Okay. And it was in the, when I came out of school, it was in the middle of the job market crisis right after 2008, the big okay. crash. Uh, so as you can imagine, nobody was hiring. Uh, and I had to just keep on going. And a friend of mine was working in the industry and he was uh, a student of Jason Ryan. And he told me that uh, Jason... <coughs> creating the new, uh, the new program with iAnimate. Mm. So I decided to join. I started in the, uh, which is now workshop four, I think, with NG Jones, the uh, facial acting stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to do the workshop five with David Hubert, the body mechanics acting. Uh, and at the time, he was uh, working on the new games program, uh, considering the industry in Quebec, which is mainly game-oriented. He mm-hmm. suggested that I try it out, which I did, and I fell in love with it. I, mean, <laughs> I met Richard Lico for my uh, my first few weeks, and uh, this guy's amazing. He, he is awesome. He is awesome, <laughs> and I totally fell in love with it. And I learned tons, and then I kept on going and did the workshop two and three uh, to be the first group that uh, finished the program. And right after I left my student job, uh, I just. Uh, did a leap of fate and three weeks after I was starting at Ubisoft in Quebec. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. I forgot that you actually started out in the feature program for a bit there. That's right. That's right. Okay. I did the two workshops and it was nice, but I wanted to work with my body mechanics and games is perfect for that. Awesome. So I guess that's what I was going to ask you. What was it, you know, there's that uh, kind of old saying, you know, different strokes for different folks, you know, everybody's got kind of their own little, uh, what, really kind of makes them passionate. So what was it about the games program or the, the games animation in general that made you want to jump into that or preferred, I guess? Honestly, the speed. Uh, we had to do a lot of animations. Mm. So it was a great thing for me just to be able to work really hard for a week or so on one animation, learn from my mistakes, and then move on to another one and try to push the envelope each week Mm. uh, and you have to really learn techniques to be more efficient and Richard was an amazing mentor for that Uh, and I found out that body mechanics is something that I really like and also the fact that for gameplay animation you really have to push the timing and the poses more uh, it's more the overall feeling of a shot instead of only the detail the small detail uh, which is something that's a little more uh, painful for me gotcha uh, I'm, okay I'm not, I'm not a fan of polishing the eyes uh, for every frame and stuff gotcha well watching richard lico's uh demo reels in the past and stuff he is a killer at body mechanics so he i'm is, sure you yeah. learned a ton on that there uh, which was great because uh, when i started working at ubisoft quebec uh, one of the first mandate that i did was uh redoing fight animation for the DLC of uh, Assassin's Creed 4, which was Black Flag, and the DLC was named uh, Freedom Cry. Very cool, okay. We had to redo most of the animation to make it fit for the new character of the DLC. Okay. Now, um, how much of the mocap did you hit with when you started uh, Ubisoft there? Well, we use a lot of mocap. That's not a secret. Uh, but uh, we work a lot on that mocap data. Uh, we have to adapt it 
a lot. Uh, there is a lot of uh, gameplay elements that need to be addressed. So the timing needs to be perfect. The pose for the transitions need to be perfect. And the readability needs to be pushed. Mm -hmm. So the motion capture is only like a foundation, a base. It helps us to work uh, faster and more efficiently. Mm -hmm. But overall, we spend a lot of time crafting the, the performance and the poses and the animation atop of the mocap data. Right. Well, I remember actually what podcast with I had that uh, with Richard Lico, he mentioned that that was a, a great learning tool for him to learn body mechanics because he was just watching motion or uh, motion capture over and over again and cleaning that up. And he was seeing how the, the hips were moving and how their shoulders were moving and everything along that line. So uh, I could see where that would be now jumping into that being your first endeavor. Um, really a great experience to start putting that stuff that you learn at iAnimate into practice. Yeah, honestly, I mean, working with mocap, it, it else helps us understand the subtleties in the motion and how the body counteracts certain motion to make it feel more weighty and more uh, feel more the tension in the muscles. And now I get a chance to work directly with the actors on the, on the floor. So it's great because we can craft the performance really from the get-go and then just improve it. Uh, after in the game in the animation yeah awesome so now who else did you have as an instructor uh, uh, through the program i did my workshop two with uh, tristan sacramento uh -huh. and i workshop three with uh, brett pascal yeah uh, brett had a really different take on animation and it was great because he really wanted to push more of a cinematography in some of the sequences mm. and camera and uh mise-en-scene for me is something that I really like, which I actually do every day now. Uh, and I learned a lot from him to use the framing, the composition, and the blocking of the action in a space to really put an emphasis on the performance. So yeah, all of the mentors really help us grow as students and learn different things. That's, that's what's cool is that yeah, you learn from different mentors, but also you can watch other classes and see different styles and different approaches and mm -hmm. basically ad ad adopt what better fits for you. Right, right. Yeah, I've seen some of the stuff from Brett Pascal as well, um, uh, camera work. So I know he's kind of uh, really sharp in that area. Now, is that something that you found or initially maybe found difficult working in animation where you had a camera that wasn't necessarily locked? Uh, it can be a struggle. Uh, it's like the writer's block, right? You're <laughs> starting with a wide blank page in uh -huh. front of you, and having no limitations on the space in front of you can, can be a, a struggle and can block you in a way. Uh, that's why I really try to capture my references to make it fit for the camera purposes. Mm. So I try to really uh, set up everything as if I was shooting it with actors. Okay. On a set. And this way it helps me orient how, the mo how everything's gonna be set up, the motion of it all, the blocking of the, uh, the characters and uh, have some rhythm and pacing and flow and make the character move because it's pretty rare that you just stand in front of somebody and talk. And yeah. Usually you have something else to do. You, you touch with the, the glass and the bottle on the table or something. You look around, you look at beautiful girl passing in the bar. So all this action, pushing the 
environment and this setup has helped me a lot in the last few years to, I think, rise the bar on, on my work and my animation. And Brett, uh, was some, that's something he was pushing a lot. I can see also working with some of the uh, motion capture actors where you would pick up additional maybe acting choices that you might not have thought of before getting, but now getting to work with professional actors in these arenas uh, and kind of growing from that as well. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic experience for sure. And it's a different world. I mean, for them, it's also difficult as, because in motion capture, there's no set. Uh, mm -hmm. They have no costume other than this Lycra suit, <laughs> which is not really flattering. Uh, <laughs> But we really discuss about what's the intent of the shot, what's the rhythm, uh, what's the limitation for gameplay purposes. Mm -hmm. And in this little container, they really craft a performance and really push in different directions that you are not expect expected, but can really help infuse life to the performance. And those bold choices are often the ones that we select in the end. Very cool. Yeah, I can just see when you're working with these guys, maybe all of a sudden you're like, huh, that was a pretty cool acting choice. You know, I'm going to kind of tuck that one in my back pocket and use that another time too, you know, um, kind of, I guess, learning from them in that uh, arena. Um, now, you mentioned cinematography, and that was kind of a driving force to get you into animation. What was it then that you wanted, or uh, let me back it up, why... Was that something you, not, you didn't pursue in the first place? Well, was it something in regards to management that you pursued? Well, initially, uh, initially, what I wanted to do was maybe be more of a project manager. That's why I did management. Oh, okay. Uh, I've always loved marketing and uh, also, also managing projects and try to sell products and maybe create uh, mm. movies and trailers and stuff. Uh, was uh, something interesting for me at the beginning, but uh, I rapidly discovered that I wanted to get my hands on the product itself and gotcha. really craft the, the, the shots <laughs> and craft the, the game or the film. So yeah, I wanted okay. to go into the feature side, really do films. And I just fell in love with the uh, video games because we're at a point now where the story and the performances can really be crafted to a point where it almost feels as structured as a like a film, mm -hmm. a movie, but you get to have the this interactivity in the controller that's really nice. Yeah, you're playing the movie now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it kind it kind of is a big puzzle for developers, but when everything fits and the players do things properly and they are feel involved, it's such such a great reward. Now, when you say it's, a, it's kind of a puzzle, can you elaborate on that? What is some of the challenges that you've faced in regards to that? Well, we have limitations that movies don't, movies don't have. Um, if you think about a shooter, for example, it needs to always play at least at 30 FPS. Uh, the characters, you have limitations on how you can animate them. You don't have uh, limit, you have a limited set of bones um, mm. the renders also the number of characters in, in front of you uh, all the AI all the gameplay elements that need to be respected if the height for cover is uh, 
1.5 meters. Everything has to fit within that 1.5 meter, but it has to be hidden in a way that it doesn't feel too uh, strict. Mm. So this is what we try to push. And the, the transi transitions between cinematics, scripted events, and gameplay can be uh, quite tedious. So make it feel as if it's uniform and it mm. flows well. Uh, there's a lot of times being spent to make those little frame in the transition count. And yeah. Very cool. I push for it. Now, what was some of your, I guess, first experiences moving from being a student to jumping into such a company like Ubisoft? It was uh, fun, actually. I think Ted T once told me that you don't really remember the projects, but you remember the people that you've worked Mm. on those projects uh -huh. on those projects and it was a team that really helped me to grow uh, rapidly and really push the envelope uh, we had a small team a big mandate a small team and a small time frame which is usually the case <laughs> and we managed to make it make it work uh, mm. and after that everything just ramp up from there uh, I did, I'm currently on my fifth project in wow. four years. So it's a, a fast pace for sure. Very cool. Now, I know one of the things that we do here at iAnimate is kind of mimic a, um, a studio environment. Did that, did you feel like that helped prepare you for jumping into such a company like that? A good sized studio? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially the, uh, the teachings about how a game engine works and how to plan animation for games and how you can use your artistic knowledge within the confines of specific games in, in terms of styles, but also in terms of technicalities that you need to respect, timeframes for certain animation. Um, it was great, but also the uh, forum on the side, the, the, the community uh, is really helpful. Uh, so mm. you really, it forces you to be really collaborative from the get-go. And I think it's the best approach to have in a studio is really be collaborative, either on the motion capture set and every day with your team at the studio. I talk with a lot of people from different departments and this collaboration makes all your work shine. Mm. If the audio fits, if the level design has helped you showcase the animation properly, if your animation fits in the design also, so it's not frustrating, it's not only just nice animation, but it's a really cool playable moment for the, for the players. Assassin's Creed is a pretty big title. Was that, it was it, Nervous for you jumping into such a, you know, on your first go around? It can be daunting for sure. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if you look at the credits at the end where there's probably like a thousand people working on it and <laughs> nine or ten studios around the world. <laughs> uh, but it is really a specialized kind of approach. So for Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, I was really assigned to recreating a new fight motions for Adewale, which was our main character for the DLC, mm. but while respecting all of the constraints of the system behind it, which is the 
the enter into an animation would be probably 12 frames and then the animation had to respect a certain time frame also and the exit had to fit with different poses. So it's really a mix of being technical and being artistic within those confines. Did you find people there were really receptive to, to helping you kind of get adjusted or is it, or you just felt like pretty comfortable kind of moving right into it? I was I was pretty comfortable, but also there's a kind of a mentorship program uh, where you are paired with uh, an experienced animator over there. Okay. And for the past, uh, first three months, you're you're assigned with him, and if you have any questions, you just poke him, and he's there to help you. Uh, and that was the case. I mean, we had a lot of great people on the team that was helping us, and nowadays I'm. I'm that experienced the that <laughs> is mentoring those, the new ones. That's awesome. So it's pretty cool. Now, that's in uh, Quebec, right? It is, yeah. Now, where are you originally from? I'm actually uh, from Mississauga, which is pretty close to Toronto. But okay. uh, I have lived almost all of my life in either Montreal or Quebec. So I didn't have to travel far. Okay. I guess I was kind of wondering because I was wondering, is that a studio that you knew you wanted to apply for and uh, get into or were you kind of just really open? I was open. Honestly, at the time, I was uh, ready to move to Montreal or Vancouver where there was uh, a lot more work. Okay. And I happened to know the recruiter in Quebec and I just spoke like on a Monday morning, I think, on LinkedIn. And she told me, sorry, buddy, we don't have any openings. Uh, we haven't, we don't have any needs right now. Uh-huh. I think on the Tuesday night, she uh, sent me another message and she said, yeah, I just came out of a meeting and uh, we are changing our approach to toward a, a new project. And we need three animators on the team. Awesome. Would you be willing to come in for an interview? And I said, yeah, totally. And <laughs> it all happened in almost a week. Wow. That's fantastic. So, yeah. It was uh, really cool. So from there, what game did you move on to after that? I worked on uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue. Okay. Uh, on that game, it was uh, we started working more on the gameplay side, and we were collaborating with Sofia in Bulgaria at the time. Mm. We were leads on the project for the Assassin's Creed franchise. How it works is there's always a lead, usually it's Montreal, and other studios collaborate with them, but all of the core team is in that lead studio. Okay. So we were collaborating with uh, Sofia and. Uh, the mandate changed quite a lot. So we were staffed to create gameplay animation and their needs changed to more of a cinematic approach. So yeah, on that project, I did a lot of uh, cinematics. Very cool. For all of the missions that were done in, uh, in Quebec and some that were done elsewhere. So you're kind of getting to do kind of a best of both worlds for, for what you enjoy, right? That cinematics portion of it and then also the rapid gameplay as well. Yeah. Well, uh, on that project was mainly cinematics. We did some scripted events also. Uh, but overall, you rapidly learn that it's mainly the same approach. It's working from motion capture data and just trying to push the performance so it feels right for the character mm-hmm. and it feels right for the style. And after that, I, had, I moved on Assassin's Creed Syndicate. That time, we were lead on the project. So all the core team was in Quebec. 
and we I was in a small team of uh, on average five people working on the fight system. So we redid all of the fight system with the uh, mechanics behind it. Mm-hmm. So we started from scratch. And in a little more than a year, we crafted a little more than 3,500 animations or so. Wow. For the, the fight system for the two playable characters with Evie and Jacob for mm-hmm. that game. So it, as you can imagine, it was a, an amazing learning experience. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. A, a great challenge also. <laughs> now, I guess we're going, going back to uh, some of the challenges. Um, you haven't turned around those pretty quickly, I'm assuming. Yeah. Are you, are you learning um, during that time, I guess, are you learning different tricks and tips or are you just getting faster, I guess? Uh, you, you get more efficient. You learn tips and tricks along the way, especially using constraints. Uh, Richard Leco is a perfect example of it. Yeah, he's <laughs> he amazing. Some that. Yeah, he is amazing. And uh, so I've, I've, I, I've stolen a few of his tricks. <laughs> nice. But you develop a certain method that works well and everybody in the team really tries to communicate new ways. So if they figure out something that works really well for them, they show it to the team. And if we think it's a good way to approach things, we try to incorporate it in the overall workflow. That's awesome. The system. Very cool. I guess it kind of just goes back to that collaborative process that you're talking about there. Totally. Very totally. cool. Um, now, how is it working on a project like some of these here where you're having to work with studios that are remote? Uh, most, uh, most of the time, there's somebody at the studio that his job is to communicate with those studios. So except for weekly reviews that we have with the core team, um, most of the emails and the communication is done by one person and mm-hmm. then he transferred the, mes- uh, the message to us. Okay. Uh, right now on my current project, I'm that guy that communicates with the other studio. Wow. So uh, that's uh, a different learning experience for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you see what other studio it's with? Yeah, it's with Montreal. But okay. as for the project, it remains unknown for the moment. I understood. Understood. I, was, I guess the reason why I was asking is because I was wondering if it was another place that maybe, uh, um, I guess for this, it makes it nice and easy for you, for Montreal. I mean, it's either in English or in French, right? So you're pretty covered there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, usually it's either it's usually in English, but okay. in Montreal we can be a little lazy and start uh, speaking <laughs> French. <laughs> all right, all right. So just a nice uh, adjustment for you there, huh? Yeah. Um, so from there, what game did you move on from there? Because you mentioned this is your fifth. You just finished up with yeah. your fifth title here. So what, that was your second, third. What, what's your third one? After Syndicate, I moved on For Honor. Okay. And, and For Honor was a different franchise, a totally different approach toward animation uh, with some decks that were developed uh, with uh, new systems. And it was pretty cool because in Quebec, our mandate was to create a mission for the campaign. And we had a lot of the wall missions, which is the missions that contain some exotic gameplays that are different from the generic uh, gameplay that you usually uh, experience mm. as you go on in the game is just to create moments that uh, are 
fantastic and usually showcased in the trailers and that people talk about in the in the comments on YouTube. Uh, so <laughs> that was pretty. pretty That's cool. awesome. It is. It is really fun, and we decided as a team to uh, reshuffle the structure instead of having really animators on one side and designers on the other and stuff. We uh, worked in pods, so. Uh, for a mission, you, there was a, an animator, two programmers, one level designer, one level artist, and a tester. And we were working in that small unit to craft the, the best mission possible within the, the limits that the creative director gave us. Very cool. And I guess that's, that's kind of the, um, the other part that I've heard has been uh, real enjoyable about working in games is getting to work with in the pipeline with other people like that. You know, you mentioned yeah. you, you were sitting right next to another or a developer and uh, a tester. And, you know, so you, that opportunity to be able to work with other people in that pipeline kind of yeah. more directly. Yeah, totally. And in that structure, we were also part of the development from the get go. Everybody was in the first meeting when we started to do the brainstorm. Mm. And as an animator, I was responsible to, uh, create all of the animations that were needed for that mission, including all of the crowd animation, the gameplay animation, the interacts, the scripted events, and the cinematics. So we had to be really versatile, and we had we wanted really to push the narrative. So it was kind of uh, also my responsibility on within my team to push the narrative and make sure that the rhythm and the flow, the pacing of the action felt right. And the transition in between the different states uh, was as seamless as possible. Very cool. Now, do you say this was your third game? Uh, the, uh, For Honor was my fourth, and I'm currently working on, on my fifth. Okay, so okay. we had Freedom Cry, we had Rogue, uh, Syndicate, For Honor that just came out, and I'm currently working on the next one. Okay, so let's next talk game, not the next one. Right, right. <laughs> We're gonna make sure that's clear. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk a little more about For Honor because that was the one that was here recently released. Yeah, um, new franchise. It is. What were some of the challenges with um, jumping out into a new franchise? I know with video games, it's just or I shouldn't say with video games, with any film, video games, you name it new franchises are a little more of a gamble. It can either be that nice hit or, you know, miss. Um, so what was it for you guys jumping out into this new franchise uh, that was challenging? Honestly, since it was a new franchise, there were no real limits. Uh, we were establishing the style and the type of games that we wanted as we went along. Okay. For sure, the core team in Montreal had determine a, a, a really a framework that we uh, could explore within those boundaries. But as for the, how the mission developed and what we did in Quebec, we went crazy. And in the, <laughs> in the iterative process, we refined and refined to make sure that everything fit within the world and the environment and the fantasy of Fauna. One of the things that was really cool, just kind of looking at that, because I've been, uh, you know, I obviously don't play as much games anymore, but I mean, I've grown up with them. My my kids have a, a system, a Wii U, um, so I still keep up to date with them. But one of the things that was neat, kind of looking at some of the stuff for for Honor, was it it was reminiscent of old games as far as um, 
that kind of clans type deal, but you can kind of pick certain types of, you know, but yet looking at it in the graphics now and, and the, uh, the gameplay, it was just like so much more immersive and being a part of that world now. So it was just kind of cool because for me, when I was looking at it, it kind of had that, like I said, reminiscence of that old school type of game, but yet with this new engine and systems and uh, gameplay, it was just so much more immersive looking, you know, like you're now, you're not just looking at pixels on the screen, you're more in the world, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And the controllers really help you give that that feeling of that you're really controlling the sword and you're really adapting your way of fighting against an enemy uh, in a specific strategy. Mm. Um, and it is a fantasy that works really well and it was it is something that the audience and the players seem to enjoy quite a lot. I mean, on the multiplayer right now, things are going really well there and the feedbacks that we get is mainly really positive. Yeah. I so looked on cool. before our podcast here, uh, GameSpot gave it an eight out of 10, which is great. Uh, IGN gave it an 8.0. So, I mean, these had these great scores as far as uh, some very top notch game reviews, you know? Um, so that's always nice to hear when you have a, a brand new IP that goes out there and you get some uh, top notch scores there. Yeah. It, it's really fun. And it's always uh, a little stressful when it, goes out the door <laughs> even though the marketing is great and even though you have great results with the alpha and the beta it's always a little stressful to see if it's going to be picked up and mm -hmm. if people are really going to enjoy it because we pour a lot of effort into those game and in the end it's we have no control over it once yeah. it's the player's hands right right now did you grow up being a gamer at all not really, actually. I'm okay. not a I'm not a big gamer. Uh, I guess you've been just enjoy, playing. Yeah, I, I enjoy playing games for, from time to time. But I think having that some of a certain distance to the medium really helps me push it because I have less of uh, an anticipation how of our styles should be risked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very uh, cool. Was there anything in particular that you enjoyed uh, working on this game? Uh, as a, again, the team. <laughs> okay. Uh, as for the fantasy in the world, working a different franchise, uh, that's really cool. And I mean, those are badass knights and Viking fighters. <laughs> it's really cool to animate, and it's great to see them in action. So that was nice. Now, did you get uh, what kind of references did you guys? utilize i guess or was it strictly the actors from uh motion capture shoots well we work closely with uh, stunt guys that really were really specialized in sword fighting and the manipulation of different weapons so they were the main influence for us because uh, they, they have been working on the project for a while now mm. and they actually were on the project before the quebec studio because they were part of the all the prototype phase and their experiences was really valuable as for the other references i've watched a lot of movies like braveheart and kingdom of heavens and mm. all those great movies and try to see what can be cinematography interesting and 
how could we push the fantasy of a big battlefield nice. in, with a lot of warriors uh, around and how can we make it entertaining? Mm. Maybe for our listeners here who maybe have not quite as familiar with this game, could you describe it to them? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a fantasy of uh, basically knights Vikings and samurai are in the same world, in the same land, and they are fighting for territory. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we have a lot of different warriors that you can control. Uh, there is a big multiplayer aspect with uh, duels and four against fours, but also we offered a campaign where you met those warriors in the ranks of the army and we explored that specific land going from the cold harsh winter in the viking land and the more mm. of the lush and jungle type uh, for the samurai uh, area and more of the big castle fantasy with the knights so it's a nice journey very cool so now does each style have uh, i'm assuming each style has its own strengths and weaknesses yep okay. all of the uh, warriors have different weapons uh, different approaches different strengths and weaknesses so it's really uh, a good way to find a balance and see which character better fits your way of uh, playing very cool yeah. so now is, is this primarily a, um a fighting game because I know you mentioned, it obviously, it has the campaigns as well. So this is primarily a fighting game. And you found that the multiplayer online has been well-received. Yeah, it's been really well-received. And it is. it can be hard, really, to master all the controllers and do the sick moves. So it is really fulfilling and rewarding when you manage to uh, kill another an enemy or another player uh, who's really skillful. No, oh, very so cool. It's a, a nice duel. We really want to push for the fantasy of, of the combat. Nice. In a way. Yeah, and yeah. It's not a button mashing. Button mashing doesn't work in that game. It can work in the beginning, but uh, the better you get, you rapidly learn how to use your skills to be more tactical in your approach and be patient, which is... Quite rare in, the, in this type of game. Very yeah. nice. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I remember um, back in the day playing, uh, I forget which version, but Mortal Kombat in the arcades. And it was that same kind of thing where you at least, you, you know, you were, there was some satisfaction in regards to learning the combination for those certain characters. And there was, yeah, so I can see on this uh, type of game where it's not just a button mash, or you can't just kind of run through it. You actually have to learn and gain that skill set for, uh, to be able to advance and, uh, actually do well so that's, yeah, that's neat you really have to adapt depending on the uh, opposing front uh, opposing force in front of you very cool um now you mentioned that you've been able to take on new responsibilities how is it at ubisoft in regards to um moving into those new positions is it uh, just seniority or is it something that you've kind of shown um leadership or how does that work for you in my case right now, uh, the role is, is new. 
in the Ubisoft Quebec structure. So I basically created my role in a way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so if you don't have a role, make one. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, mainly uh, I'm doing the, a similar job compared to a cinematic director, but uh, I'm not touching the cinematics. I'm working really on the in-game stuff, the scripted events, uh, the flow of the narrative within the mission and the playable moments. Um, so I'm really trying to craft the narrative aspect and the vision and the pacing uh, with the level in collaboration with the level designers, the level artists, the concept artists. Uh, all of those guys do great work. And I just want to make sure that everybody is aligned in a way that the work is better than the sum of its parts. Gotcha. Now, when you say scripted events, um, it's been a bit uh, since I've interviewed some of the games guys here and that it's been brought up. Can you explain that to me and yes. our audience? A scripted events is, can be as simple as when you reach a door, the character opens it automatically. Okay. But it can be something really specific uh, when you reach a certain point in a, in a fight. Uh, for example, on For Honor, uh, there is a boss in our mission that you had to reduce his health to uh, 50%. And at that point, the only thing he would do would be to block your attacks and the attacks would be the branching points to the scripted events which is blocking your attack pushing you uh, away from him to fall on the ice below mm. so this is a scripted event in itself okay. yeah gotcha. other things could be uh, npcs in front of you uh, and by npcs in non-playable characters mm. Uh, NPCs in front of you reacting to your present can be considered a scripted events if it's really specific. Now, do you guys use a particular game engine there or is it um, inter or, uh, proprietary? It's proprietary software. Okay. It's an in-game engine that was developed by the Ubisoft team and is being improved upon for a lot of years. Constantly, huh? Now, yeah, constantly. Uh, for Honor was um, PS, where are we at? PS4 now? Is that right? Yeah, PS4 and Xbox PS4, One. PS4, yeah. Xbox One. So it's for those, uh, both those systems as well as PC? Yeah, as well as PC. How is your guys' uh, ability to develop for m multiple systems like that? Have you found that there's been, it's been pretty challenging or throughout these years now, you guys have been able to kind of streamline that a little bit better? The tech guys make it all work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we, we just we we work in engine we make it work fast in the engine locally and then there is a software geniuses that make it transfer all the data and make it work on the different consoles okay because i'm just wondering because you're talking again you know um and maybe it was uh one of the assassin's creed ones that you mentioned that you knew uh your limitations based upon the game engine so I'm just yeah. kind of wondering if from console to console, from console to a PC, you're, it makes that a little bit more challenging because you're going, it could vary from system to system. Animation-wise, there's no real impact. It's more on the graphics where the, on the PC, some PC can be more powerful than the consoles. Mm -hmm. So on the graphic side, you're going to see an improvement. But as for the animation, we do it 30 FPS and make sure that everything stays well. Gotcha. Okay. 
Um, what has been maybe some of your biggest learning curves in the game industry? Communication is one. Okay. We really need to collaborate uh, a lot with people with different skills and different expertise. And we, I've realized quite rapidly that something that is clear as that is clear to me can be chaotic and undefined for my programmer, for example. So I, we need to adapt and make sure that the language and the visuals that we show really help everybody understand what's the vision, what we want to accomplish. Mm. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Cause that's part of it. You know, you talk about working in a collaborative process, but again, yeah, that in order to do that, communication has to be working real well. <laughs> yeah. And imagine if we're working with studios in different areas in the world. Yeah. Yeah. With the language barrier sometimes because mm -hmm. uh, most of us, English is our second language. Mm -hmm. So the interpretation, interpretation of a, a sentence or word can be totally different depending on the culture. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, very interesting. Um, anything else in particular that's been a learning curve or challenging in the game industry? Uh, a challenge. A challenge is the fast pace of it all. Okay. Especially at the beginning, uh, trying to attain the best level of quality possible within the time frame that's given to us. Mm. So that's why we try to develop techniques to uh, work faster and try to really work ahead. Uh, what I mean by that is try to think ahead of what needs to be executed. So we try to plan, we try to prototype, we try to integrate things in game as fast as possible to make sure that our ideas are viable. And we don't go to the motion capture shoot until we're really certain of what we need and how we need it. Mm. Very good. So that planning. Yeah. I love planning it. is key, man. <laughs> yeah. So we got communication and planning. Awesome. Um, Nothing related to the craft of animation, but those are soft skills that are really important. Well, I mean, you know, you're right, but there is that part too, at least the planning part. I remember uh, a podcast we had here with uh, Dave Hubert and uh, that was one of the things that he brought up just in regards to for animation was spending a lot of time in that planning process because if you don't do that and you want to just jump into animation, whether it be, you know, a shot, um, he goes, that could be a, a recipe basically for disaster because if you haven't, you haven't planned well, you know? And so, yeah, that's definitely, um, something to note, but also like you mentioned, we're working in a process where you're working with other people. So if you want to be able to do your job, well, that planning has to be there. Yeah, and in the video, video game industry, it's all different compared to movies. Movies, it's like a waterfall effect. So the concepts and the storyboards are done, and then the modeling is being done, and then the rigging is being done, and then the animation and mm -hmm. so on. For video games, everything is being built at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine that planning is key and making sure that everybody's on the same page mm -hmm. is extremely important otherwise it's uh time that is being spent with no real reason gotcha okay so what are some of the things you really enjoy working in this industry the fact that the fan base can be really involved 
Okay. And there's a, a certain projection of people of the personality of people toward a game, and they really feel as if they are those characters. Mm. And that, and also, I really like to add those little details that help personify the characters in front of you, make sure that it doesn't feel generic. Okay. And those are subtle, but it makes a difference in the end. That's neat. Um, I remember a, a podcast I had with uh, Jeremy Collins. Uh, he's one of our games instructor, but also works over at uh, Blizzard. And he mentioned uh, something very similar in regards to the fan base. Uh, that, that was one of the things he really enjoyed about the gaming industry, um, yeah. which makes a lot of sense, you know, partly because these are maybe because people have some more time in the game uh, world, you know, typically a movie is going to be an hour and a half or so, whereas a game you're playing hours and hours and hours uh, with that character. So I can kind of see where um, that would, might be a factor in that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And movies are passive and games. You are really involved. You it's an interaction with the controller and you control what's happening on screen. So it's more active. Mm. So there's a, more of an involvement uh, from the play from the player's perspective. And I, that's something that I really like to do when a game comes out is to look at people play the game and see how they approach different uh, missions and what's their strategy and what's how they react to certain moments. That's a great learning tool for us, but also it's really cool to see somebody enjoy a moment that you spent a lot of time working on. And it's, it is really subtle sometimes, mm. but if it's crafted well, and some people will appreciate it, and it's nice to see it on YouTube, for example. Um, let's move uh, transition just a little bit here before we close out. Just to, I want to give your interviews a plug. Those have been a lot of fun. We've actually featured them in our uh, Animate newsletter. Um, but can you tell us about you know your personal interviews that you've had with a lot of these uh, artists here? How that kind of came about, about, and uh, you know why did you want to do them? Uh, first of all, thank you for sharing them. It's mm. uh, it's a pleasure to do them. Uh, overall, well, the connections were established uh, when I worked with iAnimate uh, earlier on uh, when I was a student with Rick Arroyo, uh, which is the director for the games division. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a few interviews for the channel and he brought me along and I was doing the camera and yeah. stuff. So I learned everything with him. Uh, most of... Uh, the networking was with him and uh, I started from there and it was a little selfish of me because those meetings with those great artists was fantastic and an amazing learning experience and I just wanted to keep on going. So mm. I decided to create that uh, channel, Interviews with Creatives, and I'm currently editing my, my eight interview or something like this 18th yeah I think it is um, and it's been fun uh, a, a great learning curve uh, it has pushed me to uh, get better visuals and get better questions and be less um, timid talking with those guys and do interviews I mean it's your 50th this is yeah 50th so, podcast here I'm sure I'm sure if you listen to the first few ones now you're probably <laughs> aren't less satisfied that you were at the time. Yeah, I'll have and to go back and listen to some of those. Yeah, and it's the same thing with me. I mean, it, it's great. And those guys have amazing experiences mm -hmm. and the in-depth interview uh, feel of it help 
us to really delve into this experience and their struggles and probably learn from their mistakes and their successes also. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I love doing these podcasts. We've had a, a nice variety of artists that have come through here. Um, guys that have been working, we had a recent one here with Tim Ingersoll, who's been in the animation industry for, I think you mentioned 31 years, you know. So we've had a lot of, that's we've had crazy, a, man. 31 I know it's, years. it's nuts. <laughs> but yet here, you know, I, I guess to go back to my point here, you've had, you know, mentioned this is your fifth one here. Uh, how many uh, years you've been doing this now? I've been working in the industry for four years, uh, and I did I animate before that. That's it. Okay, so I guess that's my point. Is that's the neat part about our industry, is no matter where you're at in that spectrum, you've got input. You've got something from your experience that you have uh, that you can share with our audience, and that's that's one of the reasons why I just I love doing this because there's got there's people who are uh, maybe more well known on um, online or something like that, and those are great interviews, and I love those. But there's other people who aren't as well known, but yet they're still phenomenal artists or they still have something to bring to the table. And so this is one of the reasons why I really just enjoy doing these podcasts and each guest has been just, there's always something in there that have been fun or informative. Um, so yeah, I can see why you enjoy doing those interviews as well. Yeah, it's the same thing for me. And I mean, I've been interviews other people other than the animation field. And I think we can learn from their experience also because mm -hmm. it's such a collaborative medium and a small industry in a way. Right. It, it's all converging at some point. Yeah. We're all crafting the final product together. All right. So we'll plug interviews with creatives on uh, the show notes for this one. Uh, cool. Seb, I really just appreciate your time. Um, it's always fun, like I said, getting guys like you in here, but particularly guys who've gone through our program and now seeing in the industry. So it's just, it's a real treat. So I really just appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much. And it was really nice to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you very much. You have a great day. <laughs>